Hi there, welcome back, and we are digging on these great headlines about Trump facing life in prison. That's like an awesome headline. <clears throat> Ends of criminal Trump. Thanks for the 101K. I'm not getting paid for this, by the way. It's a labor of love. Oregon, New York, it's all happening. The gang is all here with you on a history-making <laughs> afternoon. Just so you're aware, and in case I rudely interrupt any of the... Breaking news on Diaper Don getting arrested today in New York, exclamation points. MSNBC, Ari Melbourne, our email bird. Ari Melbourne, Diaper Don. Why do they always say Diaper Don? Diaper Don getting arrested today. Arrested. Diaper Don. Trump, I mean, then I can hit both uh, hashtags. That I mean, diaper on. Um, I mean, Trump, I mean, yeah, diaper on. Okay, man. Fucking. On artist of the century. Con artist of the century, man. Con artist of the century, comma, man. Exclamation point. And y'all fell for that. Exclamation point. All those lies, comma, 74 million of you believed the lies of the worst criminal in human history. Exclamation point. Let that sink in, stupid motherfuckers.
Looks like I'm choosing this thing photo. I'm facing life in prison, that's kind of one of my favorites. Good time, girl. <laughs> that's a fun. That's a fun title for something. Good time, girl. Damn! What the fuck's going on out there? minds we've assembled to talk us through the next two hours in a matter of about 10 to 15 minutes manhattan da alvin bragg is expected to address this newly unsealed indictment of the twice impeached now indicted ex-president donald j trump it'll be the first time we hear from him since trump turned himself into law enforcement this afternoon remarks to you live as soon as they get ready to be indicted again and again and again Developments in just the last few minutes. We now have our hands on the actual indictment, and it's a doozy. It has just been unsealed. People are still going through it, processing it. It has just been made public. You can read along with us if you want to. Importantly, it includes 34 felony counts of falsifying business records in the lead-up to the 2016 
presidential election. We understand, thanks to our NBC News colleagues there in the courtroom, that it was Trump himself, in his own voice, pleaded not guilty today. The former president is right now on his way to LaGuardia Airport. He's going to take off in his plane, fly to Mar-a-Lago, blah, blah, blah. Prosecutors this afternoon shared with the judge a number of examples, though, of online threats that have been made by Trump in the past few weeks in order to make a case that this type of hostile rhetoric could spoil a jury pool, among other things. Reading this indictment along with Fucking us, terrorism. we have New York Times investigative reporter Suzanne Craig. She's been covering Trump and his finances for years and helping us um, understand what we should be looking for. She's over there with her pen. I can't wait to hear what she's underlined. Former FBI General Counsel Andrew Weissman is back. He's been with all of you. We've all been listening to him all afternoon. He investigated Trump during his work on the Mueller probe. John Heilman is with us for the two hours. He's executive producer of Showtime's The Circus and host of the Hell and High Water podcast from The Recount. Former Florida Congressman David Jolly is also here. Uh, lucky for us, for all MSNBC contributors. I was going to say, unlucky for you, David Jolly. He's, he's heading to Florida, to your home state. But um, let's focus on, on what Alvin Bragg has done, what Alvin Bragg has kept secret, what Alvin Bragg successfully kept secret really until um, Donald Trump was inside the courtroom and arrested. And that is, um, I heard you say it first, 34 felony counts of uh, falsifying business records. Yeah, so one thing that's very interesting is the speculation uh, before we knew these charges was that he would charge some misdemeanors and some felonies. That then here, this is a bold indictment. Um, this is 34 felonies. There are no misdemeanors. The people who are saying, is it appropriate for a former president to be charged with a misdemeanor, which, by the way, it should because he's not above the law, that does, the, he's, uh, that's no longer an issue. These are 34 felony counts, um, which is you know kind of remarkable. Um, there, as far as I can see, there are 12 general ledger uh, charges, 11 checks that uh, form charges, and 11 invoices. Thank you. Um, it's a little unclear how they got there, to be just to be fair. Um, if you, you, you know, it's not required when you plead something, you can actually just plead the actual language of the indictment. This does go further than that, because there's an indictment, and that has that sort of stripped down, just pleading what the charges are. But then there is a lengthy statement of facts. But it's unclear exactly what the theory is as to how they got to the felonies. It appears that at the very least, it is election uh, election crimes. It may also be tax crimes because they, there are um, allegations about that. Um, and they definitely go out of their way in the statement of facts to over <laughs> and over again talk about the evidence that Donald Trump was focusing on the election, that this was not a sort of how do we keep this from Melania Trump. And there seems to be quite a lot of evidence of that, which and that clearly the DA was concerned about that and is making it clear in this document that they're going to be the felony bump will at least include campaign charges, and they obviously will have evidence that they present to a jury. It'll be up to a jury to decide whether they think it's proof beyond a reasonable doubt. So this seems like a very bold indictment um, in that it is all felonies and 34 of them. Sue, I've asked you um, about the IRS as though you, you know, have a direct line to them. 
<laughs> I, I think by the end of this, there may be a reason for that. Let, let me just read the introduction yeah. of this because it, it invokes the, the legitimacy of our questions about the IRS yeah. off the bat. The defendant, Donald Trump, repeatedly and fraudulently falsified New York business records to conceal criminal yeah. conduct that did damaging information from the voting public during the 2016 presidential election. There's your campaign-related crimes. Yeah. From August 2015 to December 2017, the defendant orchestrated a scheme with others to influence the 2016 presidential language uh, election. This is language, Andrew Weissman, importantly, that is almost verbatim what FDMY described Donald Trump's role to be. They use the words coordinated and directed, but, but mm-hmm. same, same evidence. Um, he did so by identifying and purchasing negative information about him to suppress its publication and benefit the defendant's electoral prospects. In order to execute the unlawful scheme, the participants violated election laws and made and created, made and caused false entries in the business records of various entities and in also, New York. <laughs> Participants also... And also, uh, Diaper Don didn't pay back Pecker, no uh, relation to Mushroom Pecker. <laughs> he didn't pay back the first $150,000 for Sue... Uh, I always get her name mixed up. McDaniel. Susan McDaniel? And uh, so he wasn't going to pay for the Stormy Daniels one. That's what Michael Cohen said in his memoir, which is what Ben said in March Touch. Took steps that mischaracterized for tax purposes the true nature of the payments made in furtherance of the scheme. So, so it sounds like more than or maybe in addition to witnesses, this was a document-reliant investigation. Right, and we don't yet know how that's going to be charged, if it's going to be. But normally when you falsify business records, there can be reasons that you do it for not tax purposes. But in this case, it just didn't make sense that they're falsifying a business record and then not having it sort of flow into the tax arena. Donald Trump could have just cut this check out of his personal account and it would have, you know, he could have called it a day. They decided to bleed it into the Trump organization and then it becomes, so what did they do? And you can see when you go into the indictment, they, they look at the, the arrangement that, uh, that Michael Cohen made with Alan Weiselberg, who is the former CFO of the Trump Organization, um, now sitting at Rikers Island for, for other issues. Um, and he, he um, it says here, the Trump Organization CFO and lawyer A, being Michael Coleman, agreed to a repayment of $420,000. And this is like a, an umbrella payment to Michael Cohen. They reached that figure by adding a $130,000 payment to a $50,000 payment for another expense for which lawyer A also claimed as a reimbursement. So they go through this, but then... You bloodsuckers! Let her go. Miss, how long were you playing before you hit the jack? ...expense for which lawyer A also claimed as a reimbursement. So they go through this, but then they gross it up, and it says here to the, the Trump Organization's CFO then doubled that amount to 360000 so lawyer A could characterize the payment as income tax on his returns. And that's where it gets to the crime, as though it wasn't what it said. And then they 
put it onto the, so it could, you know, Michael Cohen could then use it for income on his return. You and I were on television together with Michael Cohen when, right ahead of Weisselberg sentencing, when this question of grossing up payments came up. And the, and the sort of, yeah. the, the black box at that point was whether it had, as you just described, whether it also led them to lie on their taxes right. about where that money had gotten. It appears this, this goes some distance in answering that question. Yeah, and it's just, I always think when you, when you look at a tax return, there, the, you, even when you file your tax return, there's a, there's a box where if you've received a bribe, you have to check it so that a, <laughs> so they can either come after you and arrest you for the bribe or, you know, they go to record of it down the road. Yeah, you got to pay taxes on it and then they'll come and get you. That's amazing. People, I don't like think most the people check that or, box. That's amazing. But this is sort of, of a piece of that. I mean, it, the, he, he had a hush money payment. It wasn't a legal fee and then it flowed through onto a tax return. But, I, I, I want to just say one thing about what's on our screen, um, not related to Donald Trump, but related to Alvin Bragg. Um, who really is the man of the hour. He's creating charts and graphs. He has the intention to graphically do some of the storytelling um, for us non-lawyers, Andrew Weissman. What, what do you expect? Um, and this is just a remarkable thing to see. Let, let me just stop on this board. Someone had to go to a printer and have something printed that says, People versus Donald J. Trump. The country's last president is now a criminal defendant uh, facing 34 felony charges. You know, I was asked earlier today by, by Katie Chur, um, the a similar question about raising in court the concern about the danger to the judge and to the, uh, the district attorney and their families. And you really have to step back. There's the just the unreality of seeing something that says the people versus Donald Trump. We may soon see one that says the United States versus Donald Trump. And the idea that this is not an organized crime case where you're worried about the safety of the DA, the judge, the jurors, the, the grand jurors, the witnesses. This is the former president of the United States. I mean, I, I still, I mean, I was on the special counsel investigation. I understand that about threats um, that were made. It still is breathtaking that you're in this situation um, and, you know, reading something that is both country and scary at the same time. Um, as, and the final thought I have is, it, it's, I know a lot of people have a sad day, um, but there is, I know that for the DA's office, they're viewing this as, this, the sadness is the fact of sort of this disgrace of uh, the presidency. That happened long before today. Yep. Um, and this is really res restoration of, um, of the rule of law in light of what had happened. Um, John Heilman, I want to bring you in. I want to apologize ahead of time because it is highly likely that I'll have to interrupt you. We've been given a two-minute warning that DA Alvinbrad will start. But uh, I, I, we'll, we'll spend some time on this. Not, not in the aspect of, of how Trump and, and his new TV lawyer framed it. Um, but, but in terms of what, what Andrew Weissman just said, that because of our reliance on norms in our politics and because of their, their complete and absolute failure to protect any institution from Donald Trump and the bleep storm that he ushered in, um, we had an, a surreal conversation between uh, prosecutors and defense, criminal defense attorneys uh, with the judge about the climate, is that the right word for it? The conversation yeah. being fueled by Trump. Yeah, and look, it's, um, 
I mean, Andrew used the word I heard him say it earlier is a breathtaking, and I and he said it again just now about the fact that we're in that that's the kind of conversation we're having, and, and that these are Trump, Trump has so often been analogized to a or to a mobster to behave in those ways. Now, in a legal setting, exactly the kinds of conversations taking place and exactly the kinds of protections being necessary for jurors that you would have seen in cases that Andrew prosecuted way back when in the Eastern District against the Gottis, the Gambinos. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a, it's a, it, it makes it not metaphorical anymore. It starts yeah. to feel much more tangible in the context of a judge issuing the kinds of uh, stern, we don't know exactly what he said. So far, we have to get more reporting about exactly what those exchanges were. Mm-hmm. But the way in which it's been characterized, this has been taken very seriously, as of course it should be. I, I'll also say one other thing about this. Um, you should read this, this document. I mean, uh, Andrew makes the point that there are some real questions, and, and, and hopefully uh, D.A. Bragg will be asked them about trying to tie together some things about how he gets to federal, how he gets to, uh, here he comes. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us here today. Earlier this afternoon, Donald Trump was arraigned on a New York Supreme Court indictment returned by a Manhattan grand jury on 34 felony counts of falsifying business records in the first degree. Thank you. Under New York state law, it is a felony to falsify business records with intent to defraud and an intent to conceal another crime. That is exactly what this case is about. 34 false statements made to cover up other crimes. These are felony crimes in New York State. No matter who you are, we cannot and will not normalize serious criminal conduct. Uh-huh. Thank you. The defendant repeatedly made false statements on New York business records. He also called others to make false statements. The defendant claimed that he was paying Michael Cohen for legal services performed in 2017. This simply was not true. And it was a false statement that the defendant made month after month in 2017. April, May, June, and so on through the rest of the year. For nine straight months, the defendant held documents in his hand containing this key lie that he was paying Michael Cohen for legal services performed in 2017. And he personally signed checks for payments to Michael Cohen for each of these nine months. In total, the grand jury found there were 34 documents with this critical false statement. Why did Donald Trump repeatedly make these false statements? The evidence will show that he did so to cover up crimes relating to the 2016 election. Donald Trump, executives at the publishing company American Media Incorporated, Mr. Cohen, and others agreed in 2015 to a catch-and-kill scheme. That is, a scheme to buy and suppress negative information to help Mr. Trump's chance of winning the election. As part of this scheme, Donald Trump and others made three payments to people who claimed to have negative information about Mr. Trump. 
to make these payments, they set up shell companies, and they made yet more false payments, including, for example, an AMI, American Media Incorporated's business records. One of the three people that they paid to keep quiet was a woman named Stormy Daniels. Less than two weeks before the presidential election, Michael Cohen wired $130,000 to Stormy Daniels' lawyer. That payment was to hide damaging information from the voting public. The participant scheme was illegal. The scheme violated New York election law, which makes it a crime to conspire to promote a candidacy by unlawful means. The $130,000 wire payment exceeded the federal campaign contribution cap. And the false statements in AMI's books violated New York law. That is why Mr. Trump made false statements about his payments to Mr. Cohen. He did not simply say that the payments were a reimbursement for Mr. Cohen's payments to, Sandy, to Stormy Daniels. To do so, to Sandy make that McDougal. true statement, would have been to admit a crime. <laughs> so instead, Mr. Trump said that he was paying Mr. Cohen for fictitious legal services in 2017 to cover up actual crime committed the prior year. And in order to get Michael Cohen his money back, they planned one last false statement. In order to complete the scheme, they planned to mischaracterize the repayments to Mr. Cohen as income to the New York State tax authorities. The conduct I just described, uh, and that which was charged by the grand jury, is felony criminal conduct in New York State. True and accurate business records are important everywhere, to be sure. They are all the more important in Manhattan the financial center of the world. That is why we have a history in the Manhattan DA's office of vigorously enforcing white collar crime. My office, including the talented prosecutors you saw at arraignment earlier today, has charged hundreds of felony falsifying business records. This charge, it can be said, is the bread and butter of our white collar work. <laughs> the fraud presents itself in all different forms here in Manhattan. We have charged falsifying business records for those who violated federal bank secrecy laws. We have charged falsifying business records for those. Man, he's great. I'm digging Alvin Bragg. We have Bragg. charged falsifying business records for those who were seeking to cover up sex crimes. And we have brought this charge. <laughs> for those who committed tax violations. At its core, this case today is one with allegations like so many of our white collar cases. Allegations that someone lied again and again to protect their interests and evade the laws to which we are all held accountable. As this office has done time and time again, we today uphold our solemn responsibility to ensure that everyone stands equal before the law. No amount of money and no amount of power changes that enduring American Have your favor. 
on out their questions. Right. Right. So we're going to take a minute of our questions during the follow-up questions. We want to talk to the reporter. I will call on you. And again, we have limited time. Thank you. Um, the first question is from the reporter. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for your participation in the Wyoming Now. We conducted a thorough and rigorous investigation of the Wyoming District Attorney's Office. Uh, I've been uh, doing this for 24 years. Uh, and I'm no stranger to rigorous, complex investigations. Uh, I bring cases when they're ready. Uh, having now conducted a rigorous, thorough investigation, the case was ready to be brought, and it was brought. Okay. Thank you. Um, just when I that, uh, there were three more false uh, business uh, uh, records. It would then be another crime, but the indictment does not specify what those crimes were. We are assuming, perhaps, that they might be much Unless you can specify what laws were all broken. Right. So let me let me say as an initial matter, the indictment doesn't specify it because the law does not so require. Uh, in my remarks, I mentioned a couple of laws, which I will highlight uh, again now. Uh, the, the, the first is New York State election law, which makes it a crime uh, to conspire to promote a candidacy by unlawful means. Uh, I further indicated a, a number of unlawful means, including more additional false statements, including statements that were planned to be made to tax authorities. Uh, I also noted the federal election law cap or contravene contribution uh, limits. Rico, so what, what about Rico? Well we we I'm not gonna go into our deliberate process on what was brought, the charges that were brought were the ones that were brought. The evidence in the law uh, is, is the basis for those decisions. You had expressed a year ago that you, know, you had some reservations about the case of readiness. Can you talk to us about what were some of the questions in your mind that needed to be answered in order to bring a case to you within know, uh, I'm, I'm not going to go chapter and verse into uh, many thinking. What I will say is, I believe the time period you're talking about, I've been in office uh, for a couple of months. Uh, the uh, investigation, in my view, was not concluded into the conduct uh, in particular that, that's the basis for the charges today. Uh, since that time, we've had uh, more evidence uh, made available to the office and opportunity to meet with additional witnesses. Uh, so, uh, as I said earlier, I've been doing this for 24 years. Uh, I don't bring cases prior to a thorough and rigorous investigation. Now, having done so, the case has been brought. Mr. Rag, Garrett Hake with NBC News. Uh, your predecessor took a hard look at this case and decided not to charge it. Federal prosecutors took a hard look at this case and decided not to charge it. Do you believe you have new evidence that led you to decide to charge this, or why now? Well, as I, as I just mentioned, we have uh, had available to the office additional evidence uh, that was not in the office's possession prior to my time here. Uh, and as to uh, your part of your question about the, the federal, we have a distinct and strong, I would say profound, independent interest in New York State. This is the business capital of the world. Uh, we regularly uh, do cases involving false business statements. Uh, the, the, the bedrock is that the basis for uh, business integrity and a well-functioning business marketplace is true and accurate record keeping. That's the charge that's brought here, falsifying New York State business records. 
said, you need to read that different line from your certain facts. The participants also took steps that get characterized for tax purposes, which through the nature of the payments and purposes Do you allege or President Trump was one of the participants who mischaracterized the payments for tax purposes? I'm not going to go beyond uh, the plain language statement of facts, which I think speaks for itself. So the charge is false claim business records. Uh, the charge requires, as I, as I uh, specified, uh, criminal conduct that was concealed. Uh, one of the concealed crimes we allege is New York State election law. Uh, I so we went through in our statement of facts, which I think many of you have in front of you, um, you know, goes through um, things including um, text messages, emails, contemporaneous phone records, multiple witnesses. All of that uh, will be, as you saw in the fall, uh, borne out in a public courtroom uh, in downtown Manhattan. Our last it's it's a I'm glad you put your your finger on that because it's not just about one payment. Uh, it is 34 business records, uh, 34 false statements and business records that were concealing criminal conduct. Um, and uh, the earlier question about New York State election law, when they talk about conspiracy uh, to, to promote a candidacy by unlawful means. Those unlawful means, we allege, include uh, the conduct uh, you know, set forth uh, in the statement of facts, which is you know, additional false statements separate apart from the charged ones in AMI uh, documents, planned false statements to taxing authorities. Uh, it, it is not just uh, that one, one $130,000 wire payment. Thanks so much. We're listening to District Attorney Alvin Bragg, who has made history today um, by charging uh, twice impeached ex-president with 34 felony crimes. Um, I, I want to make sure I understand this. I've got the support system to do just that. What the DA is articulating that basically it's the cover-up in addition to the crimes that got Donald Trump in so much criminal trouble that over the course of 2017, the district attorney made a point of ticking off the months in April, May, June for nine consecutive months. He made a hush money payment in installments and that the business records were falsified in each and every instance. There's been a lot of banter, frankly, some of it goes over my head, about what the crime is that beats this up to a felony. And we got some answers on that, too. There was a violation of election laws. We talked a lot about the federal laws that we know were violated because the Justice Department, when Donald Trump was president, articulated those. Michael Cohen went to jail for violating those, in part. But it turns out Donald Trump also violated New York State election laws. The false records that were made in installments, nine months, according to Bragg, covered up the crime of defrauding the voters to support a candidate. There are also some language that he shared in Weissman about the amount of the wire transfers, stripping Donald Trump up in a, in a criminal way. Talk about the sum and substance of what we understand now that we have heard Alan Bragg speak. 
Sure. So I think I'd start, I have three points to make about that. One is, if you look at the big picture, um, the big picture is what Alvin Bragg is saying is for a candidate who ran on fake news, um, and he's the truth teller. This was all about presenting a fake story of who he is to the electorate. Um, and Conspiracy then, to do that because he names AMI. Absolutely. He names fake media allies. Lawyers, AMI, National Enquirer, um, with the complicity of the people who were paying off, um, so that information would not get to the electorate. Reminds me so much, we were sitting here on the first impeachment where the whole idea was to again have a fake story to the electorate. That's just a big picture. If you want to know why you should care, that's what's going on. And it happened to trip, as, as at least according to the charges here, various New York laws. Um, let me just go to the second point before I get into what are going to be the boring legal weeds, which is that I thought it was really smart of the DA to talk about why this is not selective prosecution. He made a point at the press conference to say this is something that is charged in New York day in and day out. And he talked about ways in which this sort of felony is charged, not as a misdemeanor, but as a felony for bank secrecy, for sex crimes, for tax crimes, saying this is not out of the ordinary. Yes, is it something where you've seen a, a former president? Of course not, because when's the last time you had a president commit crimes like this? Um, but it was very smart to help explain to the public why he is not being singled out in terms of what the Manhattan District Attorney Office charges. And, and then, I'm sure Fox is leading with it. Absolutely. <laughs> of course. Um, and then, then there's sort of the weeds, which is, as, as John and I were talking about, they, when you read the statement of Fox and the indictment, you're left a little bit to wonder what precisely is the, um, is the crime that leads to the sort of bump up. Why is it a felony? And there, um, Alvin Bragg did give more information. He didn't, you know, he maybe didn't give the exact sites, but he talked about federal and state election crimes. He talked about. Uh, this is my comeback. Sorry, right. yours. That's the new global. State tax crimes. He talked about the uh, furthering the AMI false statements. So that was sort of, to me that the, the New York tax and the AMI. Uh, false statements. Those parts seemed very strong to me. The, the campaign uh, finance issues, whether it's state or federal, there's been a lot of discussion about legal challenges that are uh, potentially available to the former president. But you know, and he'll make his motions, and the judge will decide. But the, the issue, I think, for Donald Trump, if you are the defense here, is you might sort of pick at the edges, and you might be able to do some damage to some of the charges. But it's really hard to see how you're going to have a motion to dismiss that's going to get rid of all of this. And the idea, this, I'm just. I'm just I think if you're sitting here looking at this, this is going to trial. One of the questions he faced um, was about why others had passed it up. I just want to be really clear because we've had some new information about Bragg's predecessors from their own mouths, from interviews. Sivance said in the whopper of, of, a, of a news nugget that he was asked to, quote, stand down by SDNY. And um, SDNY, for its part, actually found that Trump coordinated and directed the exact scheme described in today's indictment. Yeah. It's, it's interesting about Saibans because he was pursuing, I think, much more interest. 
the falsification of business records case. You know, I have to say that this is more your area, but prosecutors do disagree on cases and the strength of them. But when you heard Cy Vance on the weekend talk, he was asked to stand down and he was also facing obstacles while he was pursuing the this case. He had uh, not only did, was he facing COVID, but he had um, the tax return fight going on. He, he went to the Supreme Court twice to try and get them. So there was a lot of things that sort of slow walked. But I do think if you look back at Cy Vance and what he was doing, I think he put much more emphasis on the um, on the false or the, the you know the business records where they not just business records where they were playing with the appraisals and right. of some right. You push it up when it was yeah, and then yeah. yeah. you put it down. And, and I, I think that that's where he was sort of putting. And I, I, I still think that case could come forward as a criminal case. It's going to trial on, a, on the civil front in October. The, mm-hmm. the uh, New York Attorney General, Richard James, is bringing it. But I, obviously, right now, this one's definitely on the front burner for him. Andrew's um, description of what Brad finds that the whole thing is a fraud is how anyone that hadn't yet read your tax story is how I described it to them. I said, you got to read it, you got to read every word. Oh, it's wrong. No, but what it says is that everything he ran on was an absolute fraud. It is exactly how I would describe your body of reporting about his taxes. Right, and I, I think you have to look at the, you know, just the, that nugget of him, that piece of him is just at his core, that everything is, has to be bigger, it has to be. You know, it, it's just it's just at the heart of him. And I have to say, one of the other things, just w- while we were reading this, it does look, and I'm imagining already, of course, what defense he's going to have. And I think he's going to say, I sign a lot of checks. And this is something that Michael Cohen and Alan Weiselberg, the CFO, the former CFO, cooked up. Um, I'm just going to, it's going to be interesting to see. Alan Weiselberg did not appear before the grand jury. He's, you know, incarcerated right now and didn't come in. He's facing potential charges on another matter to do with insurance fraud. Whether or not by the time this gets to trial, if there's been enough pressure brought on him, he could be a witness in this case when it comes to trial. Andrew, Donald Trump's on tape directing Michael Cohen. I think the quote is, go back to Alan's office and figure it out. Would that be admitted? Oh, yeah. But that's what's called. It's <laughs> his whole, I don't know anything about it. Well, you could yeah. say, and they figured it out, and I didn't know what, I'm not incarcerated right now. He didn't come in. He's facing potential charges on another. It's <laughs> his whole, I don't know anything about it. Well, you could yeah. say, and they figured it out, and I didn't know what, I'm not. But he Let says, say, he I says, can't you pay cash? I mean, he's involved in the, he's involved in the, they call it. Now it would do with insurance fraud, whether or not by the time this gets to trial, if there's been enough. But he Let says, say, he I says, can't you pay cash? I mean, he's involved in the, he's involved in the, they call it a scheme. It's how you get character of It's really pressure brought on him. He could be a witness in this case when it comes to trial. Donald Trump's on tape directing Michael Cohen. I think the quote is interesting to see. Alan Weiselberg did not appear before the grand jury. He's, you know, is go back to Alan's office and figure it out. Would that be admitted? Oh yeah, but that's what's called when you're the when you're the CEO or you're the head of a crime family. Of course, you're proving things, so that's not going to really help. As you said, Michael Cohen, if you thought that Donald Trump didn't know anything about this and you did this behind his back, why would you make a tape recording of him? Because he would sit there and be like, "What are you talking about? This is the first time ever hearing." And by the way, does anyone listening to this really think that? If you heard Donald Trump say, I'm shocked, shocked that you were doing this, of course not. We're all well, let me play it, I mean, because here he is, again, talking not just about the scheme, not just directing and coordinating it, but about how the money should be paid. He suggests cash. 
I need to open up a company for the transfer of all of that info regarding our friend David, you know, so that I'm going to do that right away. I've actually come up and I've spoken to me and I've spoken to Alan Weisselberg about how to set the whole thing up uh, with so what are we funding. Uh, yes. Um, and it's all the yeah, stuff, all the stuff, because you know you never know where that company, you never know where he's going to be. Gets it, but correct. So I'm I'm all over that, and I spoke to Alan about it when it comes time for the financing, which will be awesome. What financing? We'll have to pay you. So no, 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 no. Yeah, no, 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 and then. I don't think people can't type us. like, we don't have that much cash. One thing, this is not yeah. a very cash-heavy yeah. institution. <laughs> um, I think about a couple things that we've seen today, one of which is that image, that split-screen image that we just had a second ago, which is sort of just, I can't help but think, Alvin Bragg digging in, Donald Trump sloping off, you know, flying away mm. off to Florida. There's something about that that's a kind of poetry to that. And I know he's going to give a speech tonight down in Florida, but there was something kind of there. This is supposedly his hometown. I keep coming back to that again. I can't yeah. get a fair trial in my hometown. I'm the king of this town. I have buildings all over this town. I can never get a fair trial there because people hate me so much, even though they love me in New York. It's like, you know, something about this whole day that's had that flavor. Uh, yeah. the, the other thing that really strikes me at this moment, and I, I will talk about this, I'm sure, for a long time because... We now hear that December is the next uh, hearing in yeah. this case. And man, for people who have been waiting for this moment and can now have this moment here today to now be told that they're not going to have any progress on this case until December of this year. And that a lot of the lawyers that I know, Andrew is among them, a lot of people think that this case will not be heard in court until after the 2024 election, most likely. So everyone should just at least, is, as much satisfaction as people who want to see Trump held accountable uh, may feel today. They also got to slow their roll a little bit here because it's not going to happen fast. Uh, the big story to me in all these documents, and I'm going to throw this to add to, to, to Andrew, is that we all have been so focused on Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen, Michael Cohen, Michael Cohen. Is he credible? Is he not credible? Michael Cohen, Michael Cohen. And I read these documents and I go, man, this trial is going to be about David Pecker. But David Pecker turns out to be, in the middle of this thing, as much or more than Michael Cohen, and that he's, he's all over. So as we, they laid it all out here, and as Bragg laid it out, the AMI and that piece, which of course has been the subject of a lot of discussions, a lot of reporting over going back over years, but the fact that he's given the testimony he's given, he just seems like he's going to be the star witness here. Is that not right? And let me just do this. Let, let me ask you to remind everybody who Pecker is. So um, you should probably answer that since then you're the, the, the famed head of the National Enquirer, which... Uh, you know, when people... Uh, so, and remind me of this, but all of you, wasn't he granted some limited immunity yes. during the federal yes. investigation? Yes. So some of what he knows may or not may not be reflected in Michael Cohen's sentencing. Right. Absolutely. Yes, that's correct. Right. And, I, and, I, and you know, look, I mean, uh, the National Enquirer, a, a publication that people laugh at and people say, oh, it's a tabloid, et cetera, et cetera, in political circles, as you know well, uh, they, for a long, long time, established a reputation for doing all kinds of stuff to sell on supermarkets, uh, tabloid, uh, so supermarket state. <laughs> Good job, Stormy. And then I um, tagged Stormy Daniels. Anyway, so, um, yeah. So, what is a showstopper? Huh? Uh, seems to have.
Thing. Right. Absolutely. Yes, that's correct. Right. And, I, and, I, and you know, look, I mean, uh, the National Enquirer, a, a publication that people laugh at, where people say, oh, it's a tabloid, et cetera, et cetera, in political circles, as you know well, uh, they, for a long, long time, established a reputation for doing all kinds of stuff to, to sell on supermarkets, uh, tabloid, uh, so supermarket stands, but they would also do the dirty stories about candidates for president and other places, mm-hmm. and were almost always right. They had a reputation for being very good on very bad stories. And so when they decided to get in bed with Donald Trump, so to speak, um, it was... You know, actually... <laughs> literally, I'll stick a figure, but still, I don't want to... Have the image back on uh, but they, that's the word, that they were going to have Donald Trump back, which was kind of known in the campaign world and people who covered it in 2016. It was like, wow, this is, that's going to be a powerful thing. Trump presumably has a lot of dirty laundry. The actual card the most likely ones to get it all out. They were the ones that exposed John Edwards as a love child of Real Hunter. They had often got... John McCain, others uh, that we all know, uh, Bill Clinton, people think they were, they were on those stories. And the fact that Pecker was going to have this, not just take hands off on Donald Trump, but was in league with him in this way, was seen as an enormous advantage for Trump. Before we even knew about the hush payments that we now have seen, uh, that became exposed over the course of the last few years, and now we know even more about it in this document. So I, 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 I just imagine that, you know, uh, it's not that Dale Pepper is a, is, a, is a guy who most people would consider a, um, a white knight figure in American society. Um, on the other hand, he's not a convicted liar. But, and let me just read from, from the indictment again to, to bring it back to what John's talking about, because I think some of the, the narrative really does take us back in time to themes we haven't been talked about. We haven't been talking about the doorman story, for example. Let me, let me read this um, from the indictment. Um, the statement of facts. Right? The statement of facts, right, right, right. Well, I mean, we've got woman number one suppressed her account one month before the election on or about October 7, 2015. News broke that the defendant had been caught on tape saying to the host of Access Hollywood, I just start kissing them. Women, it's like a magnet, just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Grab them by the genitals. You can do anything. The evidence shows that both the defendant and his campaign staff were concerned that the tape would harm his viability and reduce his standing with female candidates in particular. So, shortly after the actual Hollywood tape became public, the AMI editor-in-chief contacted the AMI CEO about another woman, woman two, who alleged she had a sexual encounter with the defendant while he was married. The AMI CEO told the AMI editor-in-chief to notify lawyer A. Let's come up with that This goes on to detail um, exactly how this works, exactly how the National Enquirer was in bed, which is what you want, um, with the press campaign. Well, I believe those two, you know, they're well rather than these other videos and Kevin Doodle. This story right here, the doorman story, though, which is a story that is was written about by Ronan Farrow and others back in 2018, is a story that a lot of many people have forgotten about, yeah. but involves uh, the the allegations that Donald Trump had, uh, was the father of a child out of wedlock, and again, putting aside the truth that has been denied, but uh, putting aside the super falsity of that claim, it became another instance here. And this, I think, is getting more attention. Again, it's been written about, was written about back in 2018 in uh, when Larry Bird, I believe, broke it, covered it widely at the time, but now, like many Trump things, slipped into the memory hole, and here it is, uh, right. prominently displayed in this, well, in this it, document. It, it's such a good point, and it's a good reminder. I want to bring in my colleague, Dara Haken, one second, but, but, but just to, to to button up this point you're making, it's a good reminder that we have no idea what we have no idea about when it's under investigation. 100%. We have no idea where these things are going. They're sprawling. They're opaque by design. 
Um, and so many things in the Trump era would kind of pop up, yeah. kind of shine up in the, above the surface, above the waterline for a little while, and then disappear, and you, there's so much going on. Right. The news cycle was so fast, and the information just came so uh, fast and furious at you that, that a lot of things that I think, in this case, it may be others, things that people kind of forgot, oh yeah, that was a controversy four years ago. What, what was that? Right. Those things may come back and make uh, dramatic appearances in like this one instance in this case. Um, Garrett, hey. Alvin Bragg went out of his way in his press conference to address that issue, mm -hmm. um, which I thought was very smart. Um, he talked about how this particular crime is routinely prosecuted in the DA's office. If you're thinking Donald Trump is being held to a different standard, right. no. he said, look, we bring these felony um, false uh, filings all the time. And then he listed ways in which the bump up to go from a misdemeanor to a felony was in um, uh, in uh, sex crimes, in tax crimes, um, in all sorts of ways, bank fraud. Um, so he was listing out, you know, there's nothing unusual here. We do this in all sorts of cases. And when I was thinking about this as a federal prosecutor, when David and I were prosecuting cases, you would have Mail fraud, wire fraud. That is this, this, this is their equivalent at the state level. They're bread and butter for white collar. Yeah, yeah, standard. Right, and so people may not know that at the catch up, but that's pretty standard. Um, you're coming back, and we're going to get more into that breakdown. Uh, before I lose you, uh, you're a cop, you're a prosecutor. We get so far in the weeds, I want to make sure to get your comment on something that shouldn't ever be normalized. Prosecutors today had to get up in court in what should normally be a quick arraignment, and they felt, based on the evidence necessary, to talk to the judge about the fact that this defendant, who has government-paid security, who is the former president, is, they see, a potential danger to the public servants there. What do you think about that? I don't even know how to respond to that. I mean, here you are, somebody like the former president of the United States being characterized accurately in that way. It's It's... You know, it's part of the tragedy that that um, that Andrew was talking about a little while ago. I mean, a, a criminal prosecution is tragic to begin with because you know there's sure. victims, and here's the system is a victim. And what's even more tragic, and what's even more sad, is that number one, you have a defendant about whom you you have those concerns, and even worse, I, it's beyond words that it can be 
the former president of the United States about who that is, you know, accurately said. Yeah, and I think we I think we have to really make sure we mark that. We're not distracted by it, but the prosecutors brought up for a reason, accountability, and we have to mark that. Go ahead, Joe. No, I was just going to say that. I, I, it'd be interesting. I was thinking about this earlier. You know, when he when he gets on Truth Social, whatever he does, and starts making threats, what does the judge do? You know, if it was anybody else, uh, yeah. they'd be they'd be hitting and you know going behind the bar. Well, this was a test today. Uh, Taking a picture, trying to. I'm in so fuzzy. So fuzzy. Donald Trump arrested in New York. Hi, I'm Nicole Hockley from Sandy Hook Hi, Promise. Nikki. I know this is hard to hear, but it's important. Mm -hmm. yeah. A moment that most of us never thought we'd see, Donald Trump has finally been arrested, booked, and arraigned in Manhattan in connection to his illegal hush money payments to Stormy Daniels. <laughs> it's just the first of many steps for justice, accountability, and upholding the constitutional principle that no one is above the law. Here's Trump arriving at the Manhattan Courthouse for his booking and arraignment. Yeehaw. And here are photos of criminal defendant Donald Record Trump inside the courthouse after his fingerprints were taken. Now, today was the day that Donald Trump was finally confronted with the legal reality that he faces. And while cameras weren't allowed in the New York courtroom, there were reporters inside, and here's what they had to say. In describing the indictment, they said um, that Mr. Trump tried to conceal a conspiracy and undermine the 2016 election to identify and suppress negative information. This was covert and illegal payments. Mr. Trump's direction directed to Michael Cohen, and the purpose was to suppress this affair and this negative information. The indictment is now public, and you can view it for yourself, which details all 34 criminal charges that Trump is contending with. After the arraignment, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg held a press conference. Under New York State law, it is a felony to falsify business records with intent to defraud 
in an intent to conceal another crime. That is exactly what this case is about. 34 false statements made to cover up other crimes. These are felony crimes in New York State, no matter who you are. You cannot and will not normalize serious criminal conduct. Why did Donald Trump repeatedly make these false statements? The evidence will show that he did so to cover up crimes relating to the 2016 election. Donald Trump, executive of the publishing company American Media Incorporated, Mr. Cohen, and others agreed in 2015 to a catch and kill scheme. That is, a scheme to buy and suppress negative information to help Mr. Trump's chance of winning the election. As part of this scheme, Donald Trump and others made three payments to people who claimed to have negative information about Mr. Trump. To make these payments, they set up shell companies, and they made yet more false statements, including, for example, an AMI, American Media Incorporated, 